The government seats a blue ribbon panel consisting of activists, the very people singing out for change in direct conflict with the law. The biggest casualty at that conference table is the truth. Fortunately, there's a voice in the darkness. Clear, true, concise, and without hesitation. TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. So when you wake up this morning, Did you even think for a moment about it being Friday the 13th? I hope you're not superstitious. And you know what? If you are, it really makes no big difference. Uh, You're going to live today, and you're going to face what comes your way today. And you know what? There's some truth in that, that maybe we ought to just take a moment and breathe in and think about. Pause just for a second before we get going here at TNN Live. You know what? The only thing you're guaranteed, at least right now, is you're alive today for at least part of the day. I don't want to be uh, ghoulish or anything like that, but we don't know what's going to happen in advance. Sometimes we get some good ideas, but we don't ever really know for sure. So why spend any part of our life, why spend a big part especially, Worrying about something we have no control of. I wonder where Friday the 13th, I wonder where that uh, that superstition came from. I've never really looked into it to see what it was about. But obviously, way back in history somewhere, something bad happened to somebody. Maybe a series of things bad happened to somebody on a Friday the 13th. And it got tagged as being superstitious. And isn't it uncanny that a lot of the things that we worry about, that we make big in our lives, come from the same kind of perspective just because we see something, you know, like a black cat crossing the road in front of you. I can't tell you how many times in my life I actually remember being on a motorcycle ride somewhere in the North American area. I have no idea where it was, but it was a Friday the 13th, and uh, the hotel I was at, I pulled out early in the morning. And it was in a neighborhood, going out to get on an interstate, driving through that neighborhood at 5 o'clock in the morning. The sun wasn't completely up yet. A black cat was walking up a sidewalk and turned to run across the road in front of me. And I just goosed my Harley uh, to get in front of him so he wouldn't cross my path. And I'm not even superstitious. Now, where did all that come from? Gosh, I have no idea. I just thought of Friday the 13th, and there it was. And you know what? I can do that sometimes. And you know why? Because all you can do is turn a button off. <laughs> you can't turn me off. Oh, my gosh. We got to laugh. We got to laugh sometimes. And if we don't, uh, we're certainly going to cry sometimes. And that's not all bad either. How's your day started? Are you just getting started? Did it start earlier here? I'm talking to people right now that are over in Europe. I know you're about seven seven hours into your day, more so than we are. I hope it's going well for you. And I hope you folks that are tuned in will have a great weekend. Make it as good as you possibly can. Enjoy all the time, all the days that you have. And enjoy the people in your life that you love being with. They're extra special. There is nobody as important on earth as are your family members and your close friends. So if you're going to invest time somewhere, 
why don't you invest it in those people? Those that uh, are going to give back, that are part of your life, you want to see them do better than they're doing now in most cases, and you want to contribute to their lives in every case. Good way to do it is make them feel good. Find good things to talk about. Encourage everybody around you. Novel idea. If you're a Christian, a practicing Christian, here's a thought. Do you know that today, if you're going to work, going to your office, if you're going to uh, a school meeting, wherever you're going, there are people that are going to be in your presence at some point during the day today. And you're mostly, like most of us, oblivious to the stuff going on in their lives when you just look at them. You don't even think about that. And I'm saying this. A lot of those people need something that they don't have. Maybe it's a smile. Maybe it's a pat on the back. Maybe it means getting on an elevator and there's somebody on the elevator. Maybe it's just the two of you and look at them and say, hey, how you doing today? Can I pray for you? And just put a hand on a, on, on a shoulder and encourage them with a, with a short, simple prayer. What a novel idea. You know what that's all about? It's about giving out. And it's not about taking in. We're really good about taking in. Sometimes when it comes to giving away and giving out, not so much. If I want to leave this world when it's my time, and my time will come, I want those around me whose lives I touch throughout my however many years it's going to be, I want them to think of me and say, you know what? He was a good guy. He was friendly, he was kind, and he always had an encouraging word. If that's all I'm remembered by, I think it's going to be a victory for me. And it doesn't matter if it's Friday the 13th or Monday the 22nd. Dates and days don't matter. We live through them all, one after another. My father-in-law passed away 13 years ago today, Ernie Tyler, what a great man he was. Uh, He grew up in Cotton Valley, Louisiana. Have you heard of Cotton Valley? A lot of good things and good people have come from Cotton Valley through the years. Great athletes, great singers, great songwriters. I mean, there are some great songwriters. Their last name is Cox, and uh, they write country music. And they're very famous. They've had lots of their songs recorded by big stars. Roger Carr, one of the best wide receivers in NFL history, came from Cotton Valley. And my wife came from Cotton Valley, too. Ernie Tyler was a high school principal. Before that, he was a high school football coach and uh, at Spring Hill. And then Cotton Valley, he was uh, a football coach. And um, he was a great guy. He was a family guy, wife and four girls. He loved his family. And he loved people that he poured his lives into when he was in the education system. We really miss him. Really miss him. 90 years he lived. And I know for a fact, I was part of a big part of those 90 years. He had 90 really good years. We just never know when our day is going to come, folks. God promised you today, and here you are sharing this part so far with me. Well, 
I'm, you know, I have been, I've had a bunch of people that have noted, especially this week, I've kind of been on edge. And I just got a text from you know who that said I was wrong. Ernie lived to be 92. He had his 92nd birthday, and three days later, he passed away. His birthday is was August 10th. Um, I've had a lot of people comment, "Man, you 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 seem really stressed out on the on the show today." It's not so much I'm stressed out; it's really not. I got to be honest with you. In the early days of this show, we've been on the air now for a year and three months. Um, in the early days, I was stressed every day just because of the mechanics of the show. Something new, something different. And uh, to be quite honest with you, as far as I know, anywhere on the internet, there's really not a show that's exactly like this. It's formatted like just like a radio talk show like you hear on the big networks. And to be quite honest with you, that takes a lot of organization and structure. And there are a lot of moving parts that have to come together every day. I mean, you don't just crack a microphone and start talking and just talk coherently and bring things to people that they want to hear and need to know about by just winging it for two hours. It doesn't happen. And anybody that thinks doing what I'm doing right now today is is simply that. You just got a microphone, you plug it in, you hook it up to the internet, bam, you start talking And all of a sudden, you become an expert. Well, first of all, I don't think I'm an expert. But secondly, none of this just happens. It's very, very planned. It's coordinated. The the stories we cover, the the interviews you hear, the audio sound bites that you hear, it's all planned. It's all coordinated. And looking back through that year and three months, we've had Dr. Judy Mikovits on. We've we've had... uh, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn on. We've had Congressman Mike Johnson on several times, a bunch of times come. Uh, Mike comes around quite often. Congressman Steve Scalise. Dr. Fleming's been on twice in the last two months. Um, We bring a lot of people here, a lot of stories here to give you information to think about. And I know a lot of you think about it. I get comments off the air a bunch of times. I get questions asked. I got a Uh, 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 an email question about a story that was published in May a year ago. And I love that. I love that. That means people are locking in and tuning in and reading. Over 700,000 people read our main story yesterday at truthnewsnet.org. Already this morning, when I look right before we signed on, it's over 200,000 already today, readers of today's story. Today's story, uh, it's one that I wrote, and uh, you don't want to miss it. It's not a highly controversial uh, story. There are no gotchas in it. There are no big secrets, no conspiracies. It's actually a list of 84 things that you and I can do to make life better for us, to get involved, to change the world that we are living in right now today with all of the stuff that's in it and the stuff that we talk about during the show every day, to make it all better. And I would love to take credit for those 84 things, but I didn't originate them. Somebody that I've really come to like, Mr. Dominich, who is the publisher of The Federalist, and you see him... um, Quite a bit now. He's a Fox News regular contributor. He sat in 
last week on that 6 p.m. news show for an hour. I forget what they title it. And he did a masterful job. He always does. And he is full of information. Um, the story today, I wrote all of the stuff around it, but basically the skeleton is his 84 things. Make sure you read it. We're not going to go through them now. And it's 84 short things, but they, they'll ring with you. They'll ring true and important to you, I promise you. Can you? Will you do all 84 things? I doubt it. I doubt I would either. But just thinking about these things and processing them in your mind, it's going to change some of the ways you think, some of the things you think about. And that's a good thing. We always need to be challenged with information. I know this may come as a shock to you, but I certainly don't know everything there is to know that I need to know about or that is good for me to know about. And I'm learning new things every day. You should be doing the same thing. I could launch immediately into a whole bunch of topics that would come right from what I just shared with you, but I'm not going to do that. I want to stay on point and I want to get into it. We've got, we've got COVID things we're going to talk about. We have energy things that we're going to talk about. We have immigration things that we're going to talk about, and we have some political things which seem to be the wrapping paper for every issue in our lives today has been for now, I would say at least 10 or 12 years. I mean, we've gotten to the point, folks, where you can't talk about anything. If you're talking about soccer, if you're talking about uh, professional football, baseball, the Olympics, every one of those, entertainment, movies, they're all wrapped in something to do with politics today. And I think that's a sad statement for the environment that we've created or allowed to be created and we're being forced to live in. Our atmosphere is charged from top to bottom 24-7 with negativity. That's not how we were made to live. There's plenty of bad things that happen to all of us. We don't need to create or think or fret or worry about some things that are bad that may happen to us. Dadgummit, let's just do what we do living our lives. Smile, have a good time, enjoy people, enjoy good food, enjoy fellowship, enjoy getting out and walking and riding a bicycle or spending time pushing a kid on a swing in a park, singing a song. <laughs> I don't care how good or bad you are, and I'm really bad, but I sing all the time and I love to whistle. Do little things that you enjoy that make you feel good when you do them. It doesn't matter what somebody else thinks about it. Just do it. Hey, what clothes do, are you going to wear today? Have you gotten ready to go do whatever you're going to do and you've gotten dressed? Stop looking at what you're contemplating wearing and make a determination whether or not to wear something based on what you think someone else will think about it. And even if you feel like you need to think about what someone thinks about what you wear, make sure that that person you're concerned about is your spouse or your mom, or your dad. Not what somebody that works in a cubicle around the corner from you in your office thinks about it. Our thought time, 
our time period is far too valuable than to waste it on insignificant, meaningless things. Free your mind. Free your mind. Now, after saying all those cool things about, hey, just have a great time. You want to launch into some not-so-great stuff? (laughs) Former Interior Secretary of the Department of the Interior, you remember him, Ryan Zinke? Yesterday in an interview, he said the Biden administration took America from energy dominance to now being held hostage by foreign entities for our energy needs. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. Well, the Biden administration asked OPEC day before yesterday, pretty much semi-demanded that OPEC create, produce, and send to market more energy. And Zinke's talking about this with uh, a host on Breitbart News Daily, Alex Marlowe. Zinke said the American first policy was pretty clear. It's called energy dominance. Of course, he's talking about the four years of the Trump administration. And then he said America went from producing 8.3 million barrels of oil a day and declining to 12.5 million and rising during the Trump administration. We became the largest producer of energy in the world. Now we're asking our foreign allies, sometimes our foreign adversaries to produce more energy when we have it right here. Day before yesterday, the White House asked OPEC to increase their crude oil production. Now this happened on the on the heels of Joe Biden canceling the Keystone XL Pipeline's cross-border permit issued by former President Trump. That permit was to allow across the Canadian-U.S. border, a pipeline to be built running right down through the heart of the United States from Canada, southern Canada, to our ports in Houston and New Orleans. As soon as that happened, it was almost like the oil and natural gas spigots to the United States all across the United States. It was like President Biden just flipped the switch and turned everything off, and all of a sudden, we were totally independent beginning last October. First time in, I don't know, 20, 25 years we'd been energy independent where we were actually selling some of our oil and gas products overseas. XL pipeline permit canceled. Biden, in addition to that, he canceled or did a moratorium on issuing leases for energy companies to drill for oil and gas on federal land, which has always been done. And then now we are dependent once more on foreign energy sources. The two biggies, of course, OPEC. OPEC's made up of Middle Eastern countries like... um, Iran, no, Iran's not part of OPEC, Um, Saudi Arabia, those countries over there, major oil producers. And so what they do, they form this organization, OPEC. OPEC stands for Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries. And they get together and they determine how much, how many gallons, how many millions of gallons each of the member countries 
are going to export every month. And also, they discuss the price they're going to charge. Now, they're a little different from us. Pricing over here on our energy is based, there's some kind of formula that comes to the marketplace based on supply and demand. OPEC doesn't do that. (laughs) What they base how much and how much they're going to charge for it based on what they want to charge for it and how much they want to sell. They got plenty underground, there's no question about it. That mostly built XL pipeline, it was going to transfer crude oil from Western Canada's oil sands to the U.S. for storage and refining down south. The Biden administration, Democrat Party, broader left regularly frame fossil fuel consumption as a driver of global warming and climate change. You know what's novel about this? And and what I'm going to what I'm going to say, I'm going to point this to you, and you've, you've thought about it for sure. We've actually talked about it here. Doing that without having a substitute in hand, I mean, ready to roll out, in fact, probably necessary to have already been rolled out and being perfected before you turn the spigot off for the production of oil and gas here, you got to have an alternate plan because, folks, Carbon energy is what makes this country, what makes the world go around. And say what they might, you can roll it all together, nuclear energy, which they hate, wind energy, which they love, solar energy, which they love. You can roll it all in together and none of it right now today can replace carbon energy. What Biden did illustrates insanity in its definition. And now he's crying out to OPEC. Hey, y'all need to increase your crude oil production. And why is he doing that? It's not because it's something that they need to do for the betterment of their people or our people. Here's the reason why Biden's doing it. His approval ratings are in the tank and going further down into the tank. Americans are paying, at a minimum, a dollar a gallon more for gas at the pump, gas and diesel, than we were paying the day before he took office. Seven months, folks. Do you know how many billions of dollars that dollar more a gallon adds up to? And so who's putting all that money in their pockets? OPEC and Russia. Russia's in this thing? Oh, yeah. Biden opened up the door for the completion of that pipeline from Russia to Germany, which had been held up during the Trump administration because there were some evil uh, people involved with that development company. And so Trump basically shut it down. Joe Biden immediately approved it. And now, a huge amount of liquid natural gas that we were selling to our neighbors, our friends, our allies in Europe, they're not buying it from us anymore. So they're buying it 
from a thug. The leader of Russia. And guess what he is about to have? He's about to have control of the energy to about 20 different European countries that he can blackmail them, just simply threaten them, and winners around the corner, and they they devour natural gas and liquid natural gas in Europe during the winters. Very little of what is happening in the Biden administration has been well thought out, and every bit of it, that every issue, every uh, policy, and the timing for everything they do on all of them is driven by one thing and one thing only. Political. What are the winds of the political issues? What do they say about this and about that? When should we do this? When should we not do it? And a determination whether it's good or bad or timing is good or bad, it's never even been considered. Unless, when it is considered, a decision is made totally because of the impact each of these decisions makes on the political part of it. Forget about the American people. There is no way Joe Biden can justify what he did based on what's best for this nation. You can't tell me that it's best for you or me or for anybody else in the United States of America except maybe um, a few oil magnates, magnates. It makes no sense to do what he did, knowing and watching now that we're paying a dollar, at least a dollar a gallon more for fuel than we were before he was inaugurated. If you want to find evil in things, go to the root. Follow the money. Follow the money. Now talk about political thuggery. You know about this crazy thing that Bill de Blasio did in New York, New York City. He got up on his bully pulpit a couple of weeks ago, and guess what? He demanded every restaurant, every bar, every entertainment venue. You do not let people in. You do not serve people unless they present to you proof of a COVID-19 vaccination. What a grandiose idea coming from the leader of the city. Now remember this, his wife is African American, de Blasio's wife. So it's finally been figured out who's going to pay the price for this. 72% of young black New Yorkers, 72% of them are unvaccinated. So what does that mean? You're not going... You're not going to a restaurant. You're not going to work out in a gym. You're not going to go to a theater. Now, this report comes not from Fox News or Newsmax or One America Network. It comes from the New York Times, the far lefter. Only 28% of black New Yorkers aged 18 to 44 years old are vaccinated, compared with 48% of Latino residents, 52% of white residents in that age group. This means that on September 13th, D-Day, when the fascist city's vaccine passport law, when it goes into effect, 72 
8% of black New Yorkers aged 18 to 44 going to be denied service, as well as more than half of young Hispanics. They won't only be denied service, folks. They'll also be denied the right to work at these places. You know those places that are screaming right now for people to come back to work. Here's what the Times said. Young black New Yorkers are especially reluctant to get vaccinated, even as the Delta variant is rapidly spreading among their ranks. City data shows that only 28% of black New Yorkers age 18 to 44 are fully vaccinated, compared with 48% of Latino, 52% of white residents. This vax gap is emerging as the latest stark racial disparity in an epidemic full of them. Epidemiologists say they expect this third wave will hit black New Yorkers really, really hard. This is a major public health failure. That's according to Dr. Dustin Duncan, who's an epidemiologist at Columbia University where he's a professor. So let me ask you this. Why would anybody, I don't care who it is, why would anyone trust the media that for three years told us Donald Trump was a Russian spy? Why would we trust these so-called experts in healthcare who tell us that MAGA rallies are super spreader events and Black Lives Matter riots and Obama birthday parties are perfectly fine? Why would anyone trust a government that told us we were winning in Afghanistan? Why would anybody trust the institutions that told us Trump could never win? Brexit could never happen. Riots are mostly peaceful. Andrew Cuomo epitomizes leadership. Men can magically transform into women. Hunter Biden's laptop is Russian disinformation. Trump voters spread COVID and illegal aliens don't. The COVID came from a bat and definitely not a lab. Killer hurricanes are on the way. We've seen the last of snow. And Trump supporters killed the cop with a fire extinguisher. That little soliloquy I just gave you, that's what the media, everything in it, they not only told us those things, they beat us over the head with it for weeks, months, and even years. Why would anyone trust a Democrat party that tells us we're killing people if we don't wear a mask and is then constantly caught not wearing masks? Forget about the fact that we published three days ago a list of 47 Controlled laboratory proof, testing in laboratories among a large number of people participating in these tests, 47 different ones proved these cloth masks don't stop COVID. Why would anybody trust a health community that locked us down even as Texas, Florida, and South Dakota proved lockdowns changed nothing. Why would anybody trust a CDC that is right now today spreading hysteria over breakthrough coronavirus cases among the vaccinated that are nowhere near as dangerous as driving a car or crossing the street? Every horror committed against black Americans, every one of them, folks, has been committed by Democrats. From slavery, yeah, Democrats, Democrats were by far the biggest slave owners in America. From that slavery 
to Jim Crow, to the KKK, to the public schools, to the Tuskegee experiments. You cannot blame anyone for being wary of the vaccine, folks, especially these black Americans, and openly discriminate against with vaccine passports. It's an obscenity. Americans are awakening to this entire debacle. We're going to talk about some of the pushback that's happening around the nation. And we look across the pond of the east, places like France. I told you yesterday, French police, Paris police are walking down the streets two by two. And they're just walking up to random folks, walking down the streets, sitting at a, uh, a sidewalk cafe and walking up and demanding for those people to give them proof of vaccination or they're taking them to jail. You don't think Europeans are hacked off about all this. You don't think people are getting angry. Folks, guess what? Let me give you a little clue. Our mainstream media will not tell you this is already happening across the United States. People ain't taking it anymore. And it's growing and it's building. In Beverly, Virginia Park in my town, Shreveport, Louisiana, this Saturday morning from 10 till noon, There is a rally, a very coordinated rally. Conservative politicians are going to be there. They've invited people to come that feel the exact same way that many, many, many Americans feel about forced vaccinations and mandating mask wear, especially for our kids and all of this other stuff. Americans are going to push back. That's what Americans are going to do. Now, listen, there are going to be cops at this this thing Saturday. And they're going to be watching very closely. And the reason they're going to be watching very closely, sadly, but here's the reason. They're not going to be there concerned about the people that put the rally together that are going to be speaking at the rally. They're concerned about the flip side, the anti-so-called anti-fascist, the Antifa, the black Marxist that historically, when these kind of things happen across the nation, they'll come in and disrupt. They'll actually commit physical assault on people. They'll break up the meetings, do everything they can to shut it down. But then the mainstream media don't even talk about that piece of it. They only talk about the conspiracy theory and nuts that are up there pushing back against Anti-vax, they're anti-vaxxers pushing back against vaccines and mandatory mask for school and how stupid people that feel that way really, really are. They must be MAGA supporters and they must be Republicans because no educated Democrat would stoop so low as to embrace any of these things. What they would rather do and demand everyone else does is just listen to the so-called experts because they're the ones in power and they have all the truth, right? We're just getting cranking, folks. There is so much more. We're going to struggle to get it in in two hours. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky, Compliments. Forgive 
our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands. Ever! Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo! But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. Taking the time to speak the truth, no matter the cost. Dan Newman. TNN, the Truth News Network. And make no mistake about it, sometimes folks telling the truth does make you pay a price. Pay a price just for telling the truth. You're going to lose friends. You're going to lose quote-unquote credibility. What you won't lose is your integrity. And uh, there's very little of that floating around among others in the media world, like this one. You remember last week we heard that there was a massive number of kids flooding Texas hospitals with COVID-19 cases. Well, one news outlet yesterday in Texas issued a correction. And what were they correcting? Well, they reported that thousands of kids were hospitalized in the state in a single week with COVID. The Texas Tribune is that paper. Claimed that over 5,800 kids were hospitalized during one week in August. And they cited the CDC for making that claim. However, yesterday, and not on the front page where they put the first story, buried deep in the bowels of the Texas Tribune, they posted a correction. Here's what the correction said. That number correctly referred to children hospitalized with COVID-19 since the pandemic began. Hmm. (laughs) Oops. There's no oops there, folks. They saw a number. Some excited reporter grabbed it and pulled it out, wrote a draft, sent it to his editor. The editor said, is this true? Yeah, it came from the CDC. Publish it. Bam, it's out there. There was no investigation to find facts. Let me tell you how that would work right here. Do you have any idea how many texts and emails we get here giving us information? And they always begin like this. Did you see this? Many times, thankfully, we have seen it. We've investigated it so we don't have to go back through it. 
but we always investigate things that have been presented to us as being factual just to make sure they're factual before you hear. Their correction said, an earlier version of the story overstated the number of kids who have been hospitalized in Texas recently with COVID-19. Now, before the number was fixed, guess who got on board and just started trumpeting it on a national level? You've heard us talk about a columnist for the Washington Post, Jennifer Rubin. She jumped all over it. Steve Krakauer, a media critic, noted that Rubin and some others who spread the claim, they've not yet alerted their followers to the update, the update that says, "Uh uh-oh, they was dead wrong, it wasn't factual. How does a mistake like this, this big, how does it happen? Keep in mind, folks, the Texas Tribune has a COVID database that's actually very useful. It shows there are approximately 10,000 Texans today hospitalized with COVID across the entire state. And yet a reporter, an editor, multiple national journalists didn't even stop to to even consider that number, 5,800 in one week. Kids, there's only one way this happens. It's when the truth isn't the goal of reporting the information. No fear-based reporting that's meant to convey panic and with the goal of achieving compliance. You know, we sheeple. We won't even look any further. You say it's so, boom, it's so, I'll change my life based on what you said is so. That's how we end up with massive data and journalistic errors, and it happens every single day. Every day, folks, we have to deal with this thing, and it gets weary. You know, I don't really, I don't even get in the weary mode when I'm doing investigation. I get weary when I see these big entities like CNN, MSNBC, The Washington Post, The New York Times, and people that have won journalistic awards year after year, time after time, and they're passing out this false stuff painted to be factual, and then when they find out it's not factual, it's false, they don't even bother to go back and undo the damage they did. Because doing that would make them look like they are, you know, what word could we use? Stupid? Wow. It happens across the nation every day. Well, have you heard about the Texas Senate, those Democrats? Did you hear what happened yesterday? The Senate in Texas approved an election overhaul measure. That was the one that the Republican House had passed and Republicans in the Senate wanted to take it up to get it passed and signed into law. And then that group of Democrats in the Texas Senate got on the plane and went to Washington. They had to go up there and spread some COVID around and hid, washing their own panties in their hotel rooms for days and days and days. Two or three of them went to Europe on vacation and they're supposed to be working for the Texas people. Well, the word got out, and warrants were issued for their arrest, and so they got back together. So this Republican-controlled body passed Senate Bill 1, and the vote was 18 to 11. 
just a few moments after State Senator Carol Alvarado, who's a Democrat, she stopped speaking at about 9 a.m. yesterday. Now, what's the big deal about that? Well, Alvarado had been standing on the floor since just before 6 p.m., the night before. She went from 6 p.m. on August 11th to 9 a.m. yesterday. That's a long time. She couldn't go to the bathroom. She couldn't eat. She couldn't drink. State Senator Brian Hughes is the one that wrote the bill. And here's what the bill is going to do. We, we brought it to you in its entirety back when, they, when this whole thing first began to tell you, don't listen to what the hard lefters are saying about any piece of legislation. Get the piece of legislation that's being discussed and read it for yourself. That's exactly what we did. The Texas bill, if it's signed into law, is going to tighten up voter roll maintenance, expand early voting hours for Texans, and force employers to give workers time off to vote, whether on election day or on other days before the elections formally have their election day. Hughes, the author of the bill, here's what he said. We talk about easy to vote and hard to cheat. And that's explicitly what this bill's about. Now, in her um, in her long speech that she gave, Alvarado accused Republicans of trying to implement voter suppression. That's the magic word. That's the only error arrow in Democrats' quiver to fight these various state manipulations, new legislation, states trying to tighten down on the openings for cheating and fraud in voting while at the same time making it easier for their constituents to cast their votes. Senate Bill 1 slowly but surely chips away at our democracy, according to Alvarado. It adds, rather than removes barriers for Texas seniors, persons with disabilities, African Americans, Asian and Latino voters from the political process. That's kind of like the standard clause that all of these Democrats are using to fight against any voter irregularity bills to get rid of the irregularity. And, and it's happening all, all around the nation. Um, Democrats won't even talk about the specifics in the bill that they're blaming for causing these voter suppression. And based on the people that listen to them, folks, they don't need to explain it because you're a Democrat. Whatever you say, Democrat voters, I'm sad to say, and large are out there going to believe whatever you say. The Supreme Court's in business. Not formally in a major session, but uh, they, took up, they took up a case, one that was very timely. Yesterday, they struck down a part of New York State's pandemic-related eviction moratorium. That's where people that live in homes, apartments, whatever, they get a stay of execution, and I'm not literally meaning execution. I'm talking about the possibility of eviction during COVID-19 and the pandemic. New York State's moratorium in place since the start of the pandemic has been extended twice. It's set to expire at the end of this month, last day of August. In a 6-3 decision, the Supreme Court granted an emergency request sought by a group of landlords to lift the ban on most tenant evictions in the state 
while litigation over the dispute continues. The court ruled that New York State cannot enforce a part in a state law that prevents tenants from being evicted if the tenants submit a form telling the state they suffered economically or that moving would risk their health in the middle of the pandemic. This scheme, and this is what the court said, this scheme violates the court's long-standing teaching that ordinarily no man can be a judge in his own case. That's consistent with the due process clause. That was in the brief that was unsigned, the opinion that was issued yesterday from the court. The state eviction law under dispute was passed in December of 2020 and similarly protects small landlords from foreclosure. But you got people out there. We, we gave you examples uh, late last week of one landlord that had a multi-unit facility and so people that lived in his multi-unit facility that were leasers or renters, they were getting federal dollars in order to pay their rent, but they weren't paying their rent. They were buying things. One of them bought several boats instead of paying his rent. Meanwhile, the landlord was stuck with paying a mortgage on that property and had no way to pay it because his renters weren't paying their rent. Yeah, let's find a way to scam the system. Let's do it. The love of money is the root of all evil. And speaking of money, what about what about this infrastructure bill? Have you really dug into it yet? I mean, it's something. It really is something. Yesterday, Kudlow, Fox Business, had Tennessee Senator Haggerty on with him and kind of broke it down. Larry Kudlow, he is a extremely brilliant economist. And with so many moving parts that are happening every day, that are changing every day, we can't keep up with them. We know we're in inflationary times and we know inflation is there. We have no idea what it really is. But I got to be honest with you, we've got history looking backwards behind us, and I can tell you, we know it's bad. When a Democrat administration is in control, nothing is ever as bad as you think it might be, and they paint a picture that it's always better than it really is. Listen to Larry Kudlow and Senator Haggerty from Tennessee break this down. All right, Senator Haggerty, you are the guy standing athwart history saying stop. You didn't want to vote for unanimous consent. You want to slow this machine down. The deficit numbers didn't work. A lot of promises are not kept. So first of all, my hat's off to you. Uh, I think everyone's hat is off to you. You are a brave man. Um, last night on this show, your colleague, Marsha Blackburn, uh, said uh, the same thing. You're a brave man for doing this. But Senator, at the end of the day, you didn't seem to get much support from your fellow Republicans. And that troubles me, and I just wanted to give you some time to talk about that if you care to. Well, you're kind to, to do that, Larry. And I've got to say, you know, the, the past five days have been pretty lonely. But we've accomplished something. We didn't get the result I wanted. I've, I've got to be fair. It's uh, disappointing to me. But we did move some senators. And more importantly, 
we showed the American public what's really in this bill. This bill. You know, Larry, when you and I served in the Trump administration, we were criticized constantly about not respecting the institutions here in Washington. Mm. Yet when the Democrats come in, it's all different. I mean, the first thing they do is move to federalize the elections, then they try to pack the courts. And here, they were trying to stop the deliberative process. You know how it went down. 2,700-page bill dropped on our desks with about six days before the CBO score came out. That was Thursday when we got the scoring on this bill that had been advertised that it would be paid for. Yet we find out that it's over a quarter of a trillion dollars in the hole. What's the response to that? Well, the Senate Majority Leader wants to move immediately to accelerate passage of it that night. They wanted to sweep it under the table, put some bipartisan momentum in place so they could move really what their great goal is, and that's this $3.5 trillion spendathon that they're underway with right now. What I did was say no. We're going to deliberate this. If the Senate is the greatest deliberative body, we're going to take a hard look at this, and I would not agree to accelerate it. And I've heard from people in Tennessee and all around the nation how much they appreciate the fact that we've let them see what's in this bill. Well, I would expect so. Look, one of the troubling... I'm not here to criticize, you know, this rhino stuff. Look, uh, a lot of the people that put this deal together are friends of mine. I think they meant well. I think, of, I don't know, a third to half the bill actually is about core infrastructure. The rest of it is not. It was all about green stuff and excess spending and mass transit and what have you. And that's why I uh, liked your position. But most of all, Bill Haggerty, when the Congressional Budget Office came out with the score of minus $265 billion, so many senators on both sides of the aisle, said they were going to wait to see if the pay-fors paid for, $256 billion. So the score came out. Now, I've had my differences with CBO down through the years, yeah. but Senator Haggerty, they are the scorekeepers. They make the rules. And it just seems to me like a lot of Republicans walked away from that and dissed it, and a lot of Democrats. And I don't think that's healthy, because the big I thing do. here is to stop reconciliation, which would transform America in ways we don't want. Well, you're exactly right, Larry. And by stopping this, by slowing it down for the past five days, I think we've put an immense amount of pressure on the moderate Democrats in the House who are in swing districts. They're going to have a much harder time now moving forward with this now that their constituents know what's in this bill. Can you keep from day one? Now, you're having this voterama about the budget resolution, which then gets fleshed out and eventually we'll have reconciliation sometime in the later fall. Do you believe, Senator Haggerty, that you have 50 Republican senators right now that will oppose this uh, uh, transformational reconciliation bill? Do you have 50? I certainly hope so. That's, that's, that's my understanding right now, Larry, and I, I certainly think we'll hold that. Well, I hope you do, sir. I mean, I really hope you do. And I hope they understand how important you were, uh, symbolically and actually, so your constituents... And by the way, I believe your constituency now reaches far beyond Tennessee. So you were... Um, it's terrific stuff. I'm sorry I didn't Thank get you, it. Your cause was just. You know, Bill Buckley would say, stand athwart history and say stop. That's what you were doing. Stop. You're very kind. All right, sir. I'm going to get out. Thanks Thank for coming Larry. back on the show, Senator Bill Haggerty, Tennessee. So this is that infrastructure bill that uh, was passed right down the middle, supposedly. However, a bunch of Republicans jumped over and voted for it to make it actually be considered and put on the floor to debate whether or not to add amendments, yada, yada, yada. 
one of my two senators in the state of Louisiana was all over network news promoting it, saying over and over and over again, it's paid for. Everything within it is paid for. The paying of it all is included in the bill itself. You just need to read the bill. Well, the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, what they do is they mark up every economic piece of legislation and they determine what the cost of any piece of legislation is going to be before it's passed out of Congress. In almost every case, it's not passed until and unless the CBO releases their scoring. They did. $260 billion in the hole. Not only did it not pay for itself, it didn't even come close. I don't know who you are, but $260 billion is a lot of jack-jack. And when you get votes, when you now listen, we're talking about changing the structure of our nation. When you talk about doing something like that, don't hurry up. Don't push a 2,700-page bill down Americans' throats without exhaustively having hearings, putting it out to various committees to consider, to debate, and even discuss amendments in the committees before you ever bring it back. It is an insult to Americans for our elected leaders to try to rush through a piece of legislation that we know we know it's going to cost at least $260 billion more dollars than are included in it, and there are tons of things that are represented in it that they use to come up with a dollar value that in almost every legislative case on a bill that becomes law in the U.S., they underestimate the revenue. Overestimate the revenue while underestimating the cost. It's an insult. It's an insult to every American. So busy you don't have time for today's news on TV or newspaper? Never fear. TNN has your answer. Download TNN Podcast to your phone. Catch up with the latest news during your busy day. The Truth News Network. TNN. Truthnewsnet.org. Long live the courageous, the tenacious, the ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good, the helping hand, those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram. Proven to last. nice little ditty. That's a Friday the 13th little ditty. It's actually Steely Dan from 1972, I think. That's before a lot of you were even born, but I was out there, folks. I was actually 
on the radio playing that song and other songs back in the early 70s and then again in the mid-80s. Let's get back to business. We, uh, in the first hour, we didn't, we didn't even mention anything about our southern border debacle, nor did we mention anything about um, COVID-19, did we? Well, we didn't, not because there's not important things to talk about, but uh, we did it because we don't want to just talk only about that. And if we wade into it, it is so broad, it's full of so many things, important things that need to be discussed, that we could almost every day spend two hours talking about it. And why? Why would we do that? Maybe even comprehend or think about doing that every day. It's because this administration changes everything from top to bottom almost daily. And it's hard to keep up with. Do you know that Border Patrol agents apprehended about 200,000 migrants who illegally crossed the border during the month of July? 200,000. Now, how does that compare to previous months and years? Listen to this. That number, 200,000, and the formal number hasn't been released yet, but it's going to be more than 200, probably. The 200,000 number represents an increase of more than 418% over the same month, July last year. It's a 12% increase over the previous 21-year high mark that was set in June. And of course, July's mark is obviously another new high mark. Customs Border Patrol continues to take necessary measures to safely manage the Southwest border. (laughs) Oh my gosh, they're managing it, folks. This is the CBP Acting Commissioner Troy Miller. Quote, CBP continues to take necessary measures to safely manage the southwest border and protect the health of communities, personnel, and migrants themselves. I got to be honest. I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Despite, Despite the necessary measures, the apprehension of migrants illegally crossing the border has drastically increased every month since Biden took office in January and reversed the highly successful programs put in place during the Trump administration, yada, yada, yada. I mean, it's the same thing. Like I said, same song, different verse. Just whimsically looking back at the first full month for Biden in office, February, apprehensions jumped to 97,642. Since the end of January, That number has jumped from 75,000 to 199,777, an increase of 142% in just six months. And they're still climbing. The Rio Grande Valley sector, that's the one that, uh, when you look way down at the bottom on the uh, right side of Texas where, you know, it kind of swoops out, looks a little bit like a boot going out, the Rio Grande Valley sector is that sector along that border there. McAllen, Brownsville, Hidalgo, really nice parts of Texas. A lot of great agriculture down there, fruit and vegetables galore. The Rio Grande Valley sector continues to see massive increases in what's already the busiest sector in the nation. Agents there apprehended 80,000 migrants in July. That's an increase of 961% 
over the same month last year. You know what? I'm tired of giving these similar numbers almost every week. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. What in the heck is Joe Biden thinking? Folks, we just did that infrastructure bill and the the, uh, uh, Congressional Budget Office, CBO, they graded that bill. If it got signed into law, it's going to spend $260 billion more than it can possibly bring in. Those two stories alone, this one and that one, I mean, in a normal administration, in a normal presidency, first of all, you would never hear this happening, not even one of those things, but in tandem to have happen, not during a four-year period, but in a seven-month period. And then when you add in all the other stuff, the COVID-19 stuff, the stuff going on overseas, the energy stuff, what's happening to our economy, inflation. It's insane that this administration, obviously at this point, I can say this and it's truthful. They don't give a rip. Why would you even think that, Dan? All I know is what I see. Don't tell me how good you are. Don't tell me how great you are at what you do. You show me. I'm tired of promises. I'm tired of political thuggery, partisan. Everything has a narrative. And to win a war, not only do you have to win a war in politics, you have to destroy the person you're having the war with. Americans are sick and tired of it. We want to get back to life. I mean, good, wholesome American living, the land of opportunity. Oh, my gosh. And these numbers, folks, they show that these migrants haven't stopped these long journeys. It, it, every year it's happened in the summertime. It always, the numbers drop because it's hot summer heat and it's very, very uh, humid and that just makes walking in the sweltering desert environment down there. There are people that die every year this time of year and I'm not just saying a couple. I mean, dozens of people die trying to make that trek to our southern border. It is critical that migrants intending to do this, understand clearly they're going to be turned back if they enter the U.S. illegally and don't have a base basis for relief of our, under our laws. That's Biden's Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas. He says that over and over and over again, said that yesterday again, while he went down to visit the border. And it's nothing but a hollow rhetoric, folks. There's no truth to any of it. All it is is talk. They don't do anything about it. Say what you will about the previous president. And people say a lot. I get it. I understand that. But he got a whole lot of good stuff done. He got a a whole bunch of good things started, implemented, put in place with the process. 
and it was doing really well getting better. Of course, the pandemic came and slowed everything down. But folks, I got to be honest with you, economically, economically, immigration-wise, we were so much better under Donald Trump, even during the pandemic, than we are with this guy in the White House. And what makes it even worse for us all is the mainstream media, they cover the Biden administration for everything. And when they don't have facts with which they can cover the president, they make things up. It's so bad at our southern border that this week the Washington Post editorial board demanded a what they call a cohesive border strategy from the Biden administration, and even CNN's Brianna Keeler declared the president has a real problem on his hands. <laughs> I wonder how she figured that out. The press has finally acknowledged there's a problem. While they're doing that, the corrupt media remains committed to serving the propaganda arm of the Biden administration, and it was vividly demonstrated by Keeler's Monday segment on CNN which ran above the Chiron, Biden's border crisis met with incendiary rhetoric from the right. (laughs) Yeah, that's called the truth. (laughs) Incendiary (laughs) rhetoric. I got to remember that. That's Keeler. That's her definition. Brianna Keeler, her definition of uh, truthfulness is incendiary rhetoric. Her segment dedicated... 20 seconds to the Biden administration's border crisis before she pivoted to a nearly nine-minute analysis, she called it, that accused the right of racism and portrayed conservatives' outrage over the invasion taking place at the border as a responsible for the mass killings at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh in 2018 and at a Walmart in El Paso in 2019. You can't make this stuff up, but that's exactly what they do at CNN and MSNBC and even the New York Times. Keeler, in her diatribe, then she she tried to counter the crisis' negative impact on us all. She began with a clip of Texas Senator Ted Cruz. That's who they put in their bullseye, folks. They hate him. He's very, very uh, conservative, and he's very, very vocal. And they don't like that. If you don't want to see this pandemic come back, come back with the Delta variant or many, most of these illegal immigrants coming in having been vaccinated, they're being put in cages with other people who are COVID positive. They're spreading COVID and then releasing COVID in our communities. This is lunacy. That's the clip of Ted Cruz she shared in this show. And so what did Keeler do? What would any good news anchor do? Well, she pulled out her best imitation of White House Secretary, Press Secretary Jen Psaki. And here's what Keeler did. She claimed the Biden administration has been using a Trump administration policy known as Title 42. It means You're too stupid to know this, and you've not heard about it, but even if you have, let me, CNN, let me 
give you the truth. It means that hundreds of thousands of migrants at the southern border, including asylum seekers, can't enter the nation because of the COVID public health emergency. And she doubled down. She said it again. The Biden administration is enforcing Title 42. In fact, she said, since Biden took over, took office, over half a million people have been expelled under that rule. That's nearly twice as many people as those who were apprehended. Well, I mean, she was doubling and tripling down on these amazingly impressive statistics. CNN, while she was talking, flashed the following graphic showing a huge uptick in June of Title 42 expulsions, which immediately or expeditiously returned aliens to the country from where they came from or their home country. The graph, however, showed a stable, as stable the number of so-called Title 8 apprehensions, which in aliens, when aliens are allowed to remain in the United States, pending further immigration proceedings, it may take years to complete. The graphic, folks, was entirely false. The x-axis in their graph maintains the number on the y-axis represent the Title 42 expulsions and the Title 8 apprehensions for June, but official government stats instead show in June 103,000 Title 42 expulsions and 75,000 Title 8 apprehensions by Border Patrol and an additional almost 2,000 Title 42 expulsions, 8,520 encounters by the Office of Field Operations. So what does all this mean? I mean, the graphs were up on CNN. You can go to their website and see them if they haven't pulled them down. If you look at them and make the graphs correctly from the statistics, it's exactly opposite of what Keeler said. She noted that the 500,000 plus figures of Title 42 expulsions represented the total number since Biden took office. And given that the graphic showed the number of aliens processed under Title VIII at the monthly June tally and not the cumulative number. So given how bad things are at the border, it's not surprising that the apologists for the Biden administration in the press, they go to spinning. Title 42 expulsions. So we did a story two days ago here on TNN Live in which a person in Customs and Border Patrol in administration who remains anonymous for fear of losing a job said the Biden administration is lying. They are not expelling under Title 42 any of these illegals that come across the border. They're not expelling any of them. They're telling us they are, but then they're putting them on buses and chartered planes and sending them still all across the United States. Under the Trump administration, the number of aliens crossing the southern border allowed to remain in our country dropped below 10,000 shortly after the Title 42 order was issued. And it stayed pretty pretty much like that every month, while the number of aliens expelled shot up. 
Month number one of the Biden administration. Only a slight increase in both numbers until unchecked border crossings increased exponentially, followed by a decrease in the use of its Title 42 authority. And to make matters worse, we found out yesterday four in ten illegal immigrants released in a Texas city near the border tested positive for COVID-19. Laredo, Texas. Laredo Health Authority Dr. Victor Trevino confirmed the numbers with the newspaper there, the Washington Examiner. Officials in Laredo, located across the Rio Grande from Nuevo Laredo, didn't respond to requests for comment by press time, but they offered a similar positively percentage, positivity percentage in a federal lawsuit filed last month. In that complaint, they said that Customs and Border Protection officials have been releasing immigrants in their city, despite a big number of them testing positive. Americans are sick and tired of endless mandates. While watching COVID-19 cases surge at the border and these people just getting let loose throughout the United States. Something interesting. I don't know if you um, have put these numbers in perspective and put look at the other numbers that are coming out the new cases of COVID, and they blame it on the new Delta variant ramping up across the United States, but almost principally, the media concentrate on those case numbers going up and through the roof in only two states. What are those two states? Texas and Florida. It just so happens, obviously, Texas is the place, the state, where a large number, big majority of these illegals that are going to be allowed to be released in the U.S., they're being released because they're already in Texas. But the second highest place where they go, where Customs and Border Patrol sends them, is the state of Florida. Do you think there's any possible tie between that and the fact that every day, White House briefing, mainstream media, news shows, talk shows, guest panels, whatever, Almost to a person, the people that are on these panels or these anchors in the mainstream media, when they report on this, they demean Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott, the mayors of Florida, uh, excuse me, governors of Florida and Texas, respectively. And they point out, these are Republican-controlled states. Look at what these two Republican governors are doing. Their case numbers are going through the roof. They're not allowing mask mandates. They're not forcing or pushing hard for vaccinations. They're killing their own people. How many of these illegals that the Biden administration are shipping out of South Texas in New Mexico, and Arizona. How many of those people are being sent specifically to Florida, the number two destination for these illegals? How many of these are staying, remaining in Texas? How many of those coming in have COVID? According to this report from Laredo, 40% of illegal immigrants that were released in Laredo, 40% of them, tested positive for COVID-19. I wonder what the number is in Florida. We'll never know. You know why? Because they don't call. They don't call Governor DeSantis and said, hey, Ron, we got another plane load of these uh, 
illegals that we need to bring. Where do you want us to bring them in Texas? And we'll uh, coordinate with whoever you're going to meet us with. They don't do that. They just ship them out. They, in the middle of the night, in many cases, they'll fly a chartered flight in, put them down. They'll have contacted the Biden administration, some local person to contact or entity to contact, but it's not the local government officials. Folks, two weeks ago here in Shreveport, Louisiana, the Biden administration sent, I forget the exact number, but it was more than one busload of Haitian illegal immigrants that had come across the border. And none of it was coordinated. They dropped them here. There was no preparation for these people from another country. And folks, I promise you, none of these people had heard about Shreveport, Louisiana before they came to the United States. Very, very few of those folks, if any, thought about, wow, my dream place to go live is in Shreveport, Louisiana. And once again, folks, once again, we don't know. We're not given causes. We're not given reasoning. And we're not even given numbers. Meanwhile, according to one of the chiefs who used to serve in the Customs and Border Patrol, Commissioner Mark Morgan, you've seen him on television and in interviews. According to Morgan, the Biden administration has released 40,000 COVID-positive illegals into the United States, 40,000. Morgan said the administration has released upwards of 170,000 border crosses, another roughly 100,000 unaccompanied alien kids. So based on very conservative estimates of reported COVID positivity rates among border crossers, Morgan said the Biden folks, they potentially released tens of thousands of COVID positive border crossers into the United States at a 15% positive rate. And that's conservative, experts will tell you. That's more than 40,000 positive cases that have been released. Mayorkas, Alejandro Mayorkas, Department of Homeland Security Secretary, is directing the release of up to 80% of families who have illegally entered the U.S. So Border Patrol apprehends a family. They're releasing them as fast as they possibly can into local communities. So when that family's released, DHS isn't testing them. So what's Mayorkas' solution to all of this? Uh, I can tell you, it's up to the local folks to deal with it. It's your issue, your problem to deal with now. Mayorkas yesterday admitted that federal immigration officials have seen a spike, his words, in coronavirus-positive border crosses arriving in the U.S., though he stopped short of giving numbers as to the positivity rate and how many crossers have been released. The rate of positivity among the migrants is at or lower than the rates in our local border communities, he said. No numbers, no proof. When they talk now, the far left, when they talk about all of the COVID-19, the numbers, the cases ramping up, folks... They don't differentiate the types of COVID-19 when they give us the numbers. And they don't give us how many of those people 
what percentage of those people are already vaccinated that are getting diagnosed positive COVID-19. I will tell you factually, because we do dig a lot and get a lot of research results here at Truth News Network. When you get any combination of numbers regarding that, when you get inside the mainstream media talking point line, you find out that way, 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 way more people than they're telling us are vaccinated that are getting COVID-19. According to the CDC, each of the last three weeks, we've told you this almost every day this week, more vaccinated people are dying with an official cause of death, COVID-19, than unvaccinated people are dying. A bigger number. Have you been vaccinated? What's your opinion of wearing a mask? What's your opinion of being forced to do either? Wear a mask or get vaccinated? What are you going to do if uh, officials just basically come and they pretty much tell you, we're going to take your life away, everything in your life, every person in your life, everything you do, all of your freedoms, all of your opportunity, your business life, your entertainment life, your social life, it's gone unless you get vaccinated. And certainly it's going to be gone if you refuse to wear a mask. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? We're going to wait into that right after this at TNN Live. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. <laughs> what are you doing, Snuggle I am so out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships. Like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up. Our next Starbucks customer is Ron. Hello. Strictly espresso, in and out, except during the Christmas season. Uh, I have a list. When he turns into uh, Santa. A venti 
iced white mocha triple shot. He's getting stickers for the new Starbucks Philippines planner. Uh, grande toffee nut latte. It's made by Moleskine? Wow, right? Venti green tea cream frappuccino. Hey, uh, you got all the stickers. No, no, it's for my wife. I, I understand. The 2016 Starbucks Philippines planner by Moleskine. Promo runs November 2 to January 7, 2016. For DTI FTEB SBD permit number 10616, series of 2015. When fake news threatens the fabric of the nation, you have a choice. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. Now we've got 33 minutes left, and what we're going to do this half hour is we're going to weigh in on what's really going on regarding COVID, what is the worst things that we're facing in regards to mandates of any kind, and how Americans are reacting to it. Well, this week, as you know, Protest erupted in several U.S. states against these agendas that have been implemented in school districts like mandatory face masks, gender ideology, critical race theory. Parents of students are beginning, they're, they're just becoming critical of this entire agenda. They fear these policies could hurt their kids. Earlier this week, an Oklahoma school board member went so far as to say that kids could commit murder if they did not wear masks. She apologized later. Her comments seemed to reflect this tension that's going across the nation over one of the hottest topics of the pandemic and the tug of war between the freedom to make your own responsible decisions versus the discourse of wanting to blame everybody else for your situation. On August 10th, Baltimore County, under the slogan, Unmask Our Children, a coalition of parents and students demonstrated with signs against mask mandates. Now, kids there are going to go back to -to face-to-face classes August 30th. In Tennessee, parents also made their voices heard. They claim that schools don't have the power to require kids to wear masks. Parents should be able to choose what they want and how their children go go to school. That's according to one of the parents, David Grimmett. Rankin County, Mississippi also rebelled. It decided to implement a new mask mandate. The choice rests with the parents and legal guardians. As a parent, I make the medical decisions for my children, not the school district. That's Cassie Wilson, obviously a mom. Protests also erupted August 10th in Tennessee and Kentucky over mask and vaccine mandates. We want to have our own right and have our own decision to decide to wear a mask or not. That's why I'm here today, and that's the right that I have to make that for my child as a recommendation. That's from Carrie Blair from Collierville School District in Tennessee. A study published June 30th highlights the harmful effects of face masks on kids. The authors of the research advise kids should not be forced to wear them. And the research was conducted by the Journal of the American Medical Association, a peer-reviewed medical journal published by the American Medical Association weekly since, oh, 1883. The study results were stark, folks. Wearing face masks caused children to inhale dangerous levels of carbon dioxide that are trapped behind the mask. So the pulse ox goes down in their bodies. Their bodies aren't getting enough oxygen in their blood. 
That is the most insane thing we are dealing with in this entire process. Folks, from the very beginning, when this show first went live, the first day we were here, we gave you 13 examples of tested, control-tested, mask research laboratory experiments to find out what, if anything, could stop COVID-19 transmission. The only mask in production on planet Earth today that is reasonable and that can do that is an N95 mask with a respirator. Their typical cost is from 80 to 100 bucks, and you can't go anywhere in your city today. Maybe you can shock yourself and go find one, but they are sold out everywhere. And guess where they're manufactured? China. 47 different lab testings that we published day before yesterday right here. 47 of them. Cloth masks don't work and they are doing bad things to our kids. So what about the vaccination stuff? Well, it's it's a common pattern, not just here, but worldwide. Folks now take to the streets to make their voices heard and to express their rights. You know that thing. You may have heard it. It's, it's been beaten. It's been used as a tool by conservatives, Republicans across the United States, beating others, screaming, my body. My choice. Oh, wait a minute. That's the Democrats. And they're using that my body, my choice to support abortions. But what about it's my body, my choice about a vaccination? Well, it doesn't count because you're not a re- you're not a Democrat. You're a Republican, one of those evil conservative conspiracy theorists. Meanwhile, in Edgewood, Kentucky, hundreds came out to demonstrate over the requirement of COVID-19 vaccination for employees of Greater Cincinnati Health Systems. Over a thousand people showed up in that town to oppose forced vaccinations today. I support healthcare workers who were praised last year but are now being told they'll be fired if they don't get the COVID vax. That came from Republican State Representative Thomas Massey on Wednesday, two days ago, in Washington State, a long line of people were seen talking to the streets, taking to the streets with signs, flags, U.S. flags to reject forced vaccination mandate imposed by their governor, Jay Inslee, who's a Democrat, obviously, for local health systems, which goes into effect August 31st. Citizens are out rallying in protest of Governor Inslee's forced vaccine mandate outside of Good Samaritan Hospital in Washington. Because of these new directives, employees who resist, whether because of health concerns, religious belief, or simply because they're afraid or doubt its effectiveness, they're going to lose their jobs. Now, nobody's talking about what I'm going to say now. But do you know what the biggest problem in healthcare across the nation is right now? Getting employees to work, nurses, physicians' assistants. There's a, an amazing shortage of it. We told you about hospitals in Florida, especially 
up in the Panhandle, Panama City, Jacksonville, Tallahassee. Hospitals can't get nurses, and when they don't have sufficient nurses, they have to close down parts of the hospital. And so we're getting these left-wing reports, hospitals are flooded, there's no capacity, there are no beds, they can't take care of people. Why? Because everybody's getting COVID. They're not vaccinated. There are hospitals in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex today that are only operating at half their capacity because they can't get nurses. And so when you hear our hospital is full, our ICU is full, and it's because nobody is getting vaccinated anymore and they're getting sick because they're being conspiracy theorists and they're killing each other and they're killing their friends and family members because they're giving everybody COVID-19. There's no doubt there is transmission. That happens with any virus. And oh, by the way, one other reason why there are case numbers going up of infections across the country is the vaccination rates are going up. A hundred million people have been vaccinated and those people have elements of COVID-19 in their systems because that's what comes in a vaccine. And therefore, they're going to transmit some of that. Nobody's being reasonable because it doesn't fit a political narrative. And the forced vaccinations, well, what are we going to do about those? Are those legitimate? Should we allow those things? Why don't we check in with America's favorite COVID-19 god, Anthony Fauci about that. Dr. Dr. Fauci, do you agree with Randy Weingarten, the head of the largest teachers union in the country who came out yesterday and said, yes, teachers should be vaccinated inside schools. Do you think they should be mandated to be vaccinated? Yeah, I'm going to upset some people on this, but I think we should. I mean, we are in a critical situation now. We've had 615,000 plus deaths and we are in a major surge now as we're going into the fall, into the school season. This is very serious business. You would wish that people would see why it's so important to get vaccinated, but you're not gonna get mandates centrally from the federal government. But when you're talking about local mandates, mandates for schools, for teachers, for universities, for colleges, I'm sorry, I, I mean, I know people must like to have their individual freedom and not be told to do something, but I think we're in such a serious situation now that under certain circumstances, mandates should be done. They're really showing themselves to do really well. Come on, man. There you have it, folks. America's number one expert in COVID-19, and uh, you didn't hear any numbers from Dr. Fauci. You didn't hear any statistics about Dr. Fauci. He didn't talk to you about the patients that he has personally seen and he has treated. It's because he hasn't treated any patient. He doesn't do hospital calls. He doesn't do human interactions. He's a research guy. I mean, he gets all his facts because he's who he is, so he just automatically knows. It's a spiritual thing. He gets an implant of information on which he can tell us how to live and how to die. 
and what to do to keep from dying. And if you don't do what I say you're going to do, you're going to die. They're really, folks, they being the left, the bureaucrats, the healthcare bureaucrats, they're really just losing their minds. And they don't know how to handle it. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Director, you know who she is, Rochelle Walensky. Yesterday, she complained. (laughs) She complained about mistrust and criticism. How to communicate to people who are skeptical of the agency's data-driven recommendations. Data-driven. Now, let me ask you this. How many interviews have you seen or heard with Fauci or Walensky or anybody on CNN or MSNBC where they have actually addressed the numbers that the CDC reports every Friday in their VAERS report? The vaccine adverse effects, the results on people where people get things like permanent disability and severe heart problems, and oh, they die. When they talk about data-driven recommendations, have you heard any of that? Have you heard them explain to you why, for three weeks in a row, more people are dying at the hands of COVID that were vaccinated than people that are dying who haven't been vaccinated. All we hear is, oh, more, far more people died that don't have the vaccine than people that have it. That's all you hear from mainstream media. They never give you any numbers. That's all you hear from Fauci and Walensky. They never give you any numbers comparing anything. In my state now, in the state of Louisiana, South Louisiana is under siege. A massive number of new cases. And when they first started putting it out, we reported here it happened over a weekend on two days. We had 20,000 new infections in southeast Louisiana, the Baton Rouge, New Orleans area. And they put out numbers over those two days And a majority of those people that were included in those numbers had been vaccinated. And then they stopped even giving that out as we move forward. And just in time for professional football and back to school in New Orleans, the mayor of New Orleans, yesterday, she put out a vaccine mandate for the city. You're not going to eat in a restaurant. You're not going to go to an entertainment venue. You're not going to a sporting event. Preseason in the NFL starts this weekend. Can you see the Superdome with the Saints playing some other team in the Superdome that holds 80,000 people and that is the loudest building in the NFL when it's full of NFL fans? They're not going to have anybody there. Well, there'll be some people there. There'll be people that have been vaccinated. It's almost like pandemic part two. They're ushering it in. And these people at the top of this, they don't understand why Americans don't trust them. The Biden administration, Joe Biden doesn't understand why the American people don't trust what he says. It's because things that are happening around us 
don't jibe with what we're being told. It's insane for those leaders to think that we're so stupid that we can't figure things out. The same things that they figure out, only their purpose is totally different from ours. Our purpose is, it's just a little unimportant thing called how to live and how to save my lives and the lives of my family members and how to keep from dying needlessly with this thing. And they blame us. It's all about us. And then you have Joe. Boy, he's up there and he's just putting some great news out. Listen to this. Yesterday, he made a speech. And I'm sure what he said was on the teleprompter, but it included these words. To the mayors, to the school superintendents, to the educators, the local leaders who are standing up to the governor's politicizing mass protection for our kids, thank you. Now, he did show up two hours late for his scheduled speech that was on lowering the cost of prescription drugs. While reading from his teleprompter, he began excoriating Americans who are protesting mask mandates. I know there are a lot of people trying to turn a public safety measure, that is, children wearing masks in school so they can be safe, into a political dispute, he said. This isn't about politics. This is about keeping our children safe. Now, he referred to a video of a Tennessee school meeting where parents chanted, no more mask. And in that meeting, deputies escorted an anti-mask doctor out of a school meeting. You may have seen the video. Later, the protesters shouted, we will not comply, and confronted public health officials as they left the meeting. Biden defended the officials for just trying to keep kids safe from the coronavirus, noting that healthcare workers are also caring for people who refuse to get vaccinated. Thank God we have heroes like you, the president said, and I stand with you all, and America should as well. Now, let me ask you this. Nobody, I've not heard... Peter Ducey, Fox News, White House correspondent, every press briefing there is, he sits in the front row on the far left side where he can get right in Jen Psaki's face. And she always calls on him, and she knows his questions are going to be controversial. Not even Fox News' Peter Ducey has ever brought up to Jen Psaki one time about the controlled mask testings in the dozens that have occurred around the world and many of them here in the United States that say point blank, the mask that everyone is wearing does not stop the transmission of COVID-19. And by the way, there are severe medical things, anti-bad things that happen to Americans that wear these masks all the time, especially our kids. Why hasn't anybody made this a bigger deal in the media? And I can't answer my own question. I'm asking you, if you want to weigh in here in the last few minutes of the show, 866-37-TRUTH, 866-378-7884. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I find it hard to believe that they would not consider the health and welfare of our kids 
when they make these policy decisions that directly impact that. I don't think Joe Biden is heartless. I don't think he wants to kill any people whatsoever. I don't. But there's got to be a reason for this. And it is not, it is not to give us the truth, to make things better for us. Because that in no way can be a conclusion that you would draw in this whole conversation. You just wouldn't do it. And then you have somebody that has a pair. <laughs> I'm talking about the Missouri Attorney, Attorney General, Eric Schmidt. He's a Republican. Yesterday, he got up and he told everybody that was listening in a meeting, he is directly, staunchly opposed to the implementation of any vaccine mandates, affirming in a press conference, I don't want to live in some futuristic, dystopian, biomedical security state. Here's what he said. If someone says that using fear is good, that is what every tyrant and dictator in the history of the world has ever said to accumulate, aggregate, and maintain power. This is America, the freest country in the world, and I don't think we should be allowing individual politicians who want to grab power, never let go of it, gain in the first place. People can make their own decisions. I believe in freedom, he said. I believe in responsibility. But people can make these very important decisions on their own. And I don't want to live in some futuristic, dystopian, biomedical security state. As Attorney General of Missouri, I'm going to do everything I can to protect the rights of individuals. Wow. Wouldn't it be interesting to hear that from somebody that is in the health business, you know, kind of like one of those health experts? Have you ever heard Dr. Fauci get up and say one thing from front to back in any speech or any series of questions that he answers? Have you ever heard him say one thing positive? We're going to get through this. We don't know everything. We're going to tell you. We're going to be honest when we don't know something specifically. When we give advice, we're always going to make it clear on what our advice is based. You've never heard him say anything like that. In May in 2020, Dr. Judy Mikovits, his former partner in lab research back in the 90s on the HIV-AIDS project. Dr. Judy Mikovits knew him really well on our show before the pandemic ever really got cranking in May, early May in 2020. She told us exactly what Fauci was going to do through the entirety of the pandemic. She told us, by the way, there was going to be a pandemic. It was not going to be as it was ever portrayed to us to be, but it was going to be a serious thing, and it was going to be because everything about it was going to be manipulated by the medical experts like Dr. Anthony Fauci. I mean, she was a prophetess when she told us that. She talked to us about the mass stuff way before it happened. And by the way, you can go to truthnewsnet.org and you can find that interview with Dr. Mikovits. If you, if you don't know where to look and can't find it, drop me an email. I'll send you the link. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Novel idea. 
push back against something with facts, right? So you haven't heard anything out front from Representatives Ilhan Omar of Minneapolis, Minnesota, and from Rashida Tlaib from Michigan. Well, with this uh, infrastructure bill out there, Democrats got it passed in the Senate. Big deal. It's over now at the House. It's not being taken up yet because Nancy Pelosi wants to do it simultaneously with the big kahuna that's being right now discussed over in the Senate, the $3.5 trillion one. But it's not looking good on the House side for Democrats to get that infrastructure bill passed. This week, when those 19 Senate Republicans joined Dems to pass that Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, 69 to 30, very few Republicans could believe that they voted for it. But now, across the Capitol, in the House, Progressive Caucus Democrats say they plan to oppose the bill as long as moderate Senate Democrats and Republicans oppose passing the big kahuna over in the Senate right now. It's called the Budget Resolution And the reason they're opposing it is because it includes blanket amnesty for illegal aliens. In a letter to Nancy Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Representatives Pramia Jayapal, Katie Porter, Ilhan Omar, said the majority of progressive caucus Democrats will not support the infrastructure bill until the budget resolution with amnesty included in it is improved, is approved by the entire Congress. They, this progressive caucus, they recently concluded an internal survey of its 96 members about the urgency of ensuring that a narrower bipartisan infrastructure agreement is enacted on the condition that a, the big robust package of social, human, and climate infrastructure, their terms, reflecting all Democrats' longstanding priorities, again, their statement, not factual, neither one of them is, is simultaneously passed by simple majorities in Congress through the budget reconciliation process. So Nancy Pelosi, Chucky boy, they got their hands full. They got to get both bills passed. And the only one that really matters is the big one that includes amnesty for all of the illegals. They're going to do that. They're pushing that through, and they have no idea how many there are. They've been telling us for 20 years. There are 11 million illegals living in America. For 20 years, they've been telling us that. And other experts, including people that are nonpartisan, but they're immigration experts, that the number is more like 40 to 50 million illegals in the country. And these far-left uh, progressives, they're demanding that every one of them be given a pardon. Every one of them be given a path to citizenship without going through the process that tens of millions have throughout American history, which is doing it the right way, applying for some immigration status, going through a background check, learning some things about the nation, taking tests over a period of time, showing our Americans, showing people around them, showing the courts that you're going to be a contributing American once you become an American. When you put your hand up in the air and take that oath of, oath of 
citizenship. Novel idea. But these progressives, they don't think it's fair. They don't want these illegals to do what Ilhan Omar did to come to the United States. She went through the legal immigration process. You just always wonder about what, oh what? What's driving the boat? And I wish I had those answers. You know, we started the show today by encouraging you to do something positive, be positive this weekend, spend time with people you love, have a great time with. We're going to end the show, and I'm going to tell you this. Between now and Monday, let's concentrate for a moment on your family members, people in your family. How many times have you told these immediate and maybe even extended family members that you love them? How many times? Do you have any idea what telling somebody as simple as that, what it can do to a life? Even people that we're close to, often we don't have any idea what they're dealing with mentally, emotionally. And they have so much negativity thrust in their faces. They hear all the bad stuff all the time. You just why don't you just make a phone call drop a text drop an email and just say I haven't talked to you in a while but I just wanted to call and tell you I love you I think the world of you I want the best for you and I want you to know no matter how tough it gets whatever you're doing wherever you're doing it I don't care how serious you can always call me because I love you and I want what's best for you Have that kind of weekend. Have a great one, folks. And we'll see you Monday, 9 a.m. TNN Live.
Dreams that you dare to 